Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that goes to the cinema when we're allowed to. <laughs> Every week, sees things, raises them out of five, watches things at home, raises them out of five, and says, where has the money been better spent this week? My name is Tosin and I am your host, um, based up in the middle of the United Kingdom, somewhere near Birmingham, who at the moment is being allowed to actually host a podcast and his co-host is just sitting down here quietly watching Ada Twist Scientist. More on that later. <laughs> but joining me as usual on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. From his room, I can see, in, oh, on Zoom, I can see the room that he's in, and that means that you are definitely on the Isle of Wight, Sean. I'm on the Isle of Wight, yeah, hello there. And joining us from London, our London correspondent, Holly Nesling. Hi. How are we all doing? Marvellous. All right. all right, cool. So this week, when we talk about what, we're going, what we've seen in the cinema, we know that there's definitely one thing because we held this back for a week so we could all go see it and we could all have our say, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, Sean, you saw this last week. Holly, you saw it last week or the day it was released. Yes. Sharon and I were the holds off. We hadn't seen it by the time we recorded last week, so we held it off for this week. I managed to see this yesterday with my two-year-old daughter because my wife has gone off to something in Sheffield and I looked at the week and thought, oh my God, my, my regular cinema slot is, is gone. I'm not going to be able to see this. So I had to take my daughter in to go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. And I only missed 10 minutes of the film. I was actually quite impressed. Wow. <laughs> and when I came back, I could still follow the story. So I don't think I missed anything too crucial. <laughs> but Sharon, when did you see it? I saw it on Tuesday. Oh, I Tuesday. had been dog sitting and I had to hand over the dog. So the dog was handed over at six o'clock and I was able to get for 10 past six film. <laughs> <laughs> Or just leg it out the door. <laughs> well, he legged it out the door. He was like, I've got, I, he had to go on a ferry. So it's like, where's the dog? I'm on a ferry at half past six. So as uh, anyone living on the other one, no, the ferries wait for no man. And yes. So yeah, he grabbed the dog and ran. So we didn't have a protracted goodbye. But it's like, where is he? I've got to go. <laughs> so, so no tears. There was no time for tears as we passed with, with our little friend. Oh. Oh. Or, and Sean, did you actually get to see it again? Because you wanted to see it again. I did, yes, I did get to see it again, yeah. I did watch it again, All right. yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So so we have the first and the second view sort of influence there. And Holly, you saw Air in cinemas. I did. Yeah, a, one of those films I was like, ooh, want to go see that, but I only have one film a week. So we're going to see and, and at home, at home, I saw Star Wars Visions, so we're going to do a bit of a space comparison. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3 versus Star Wars Visions. Um, and um, Sean, you've been talking to us about you've been getting down stuck down some YouTube rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, some 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 good stuff on there. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's funny you were you were talking just before we started recording. You were talking about how you can find all these old movies, and the full thing is on is on YouTube. There's actually an app that I found on my Google Chromecast called Old Movies, and what it does is it just searches through YouTube and finds old movies that are fully on YouTube. So, yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's loads. There's like westerns. There's even there's ones I've seen before, um, and there's there's quite a lot of lot quite a lot quite a lot of foreign stuff on there, you know, mm -hmm. like um, which I quite like. I know I know it's not everybody cups cups of tea, and but you know it's it's, it's some really interesting stuff or stuff that I find interesting. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and we will hear about that. You said you saw a Girl from Hanoi, which you said is a North Vietnamese movie. North so. Vietnamese film shot so, as the, during during the bombings in Hanoi. So it takes place amongst all the, all the Fil rebels. Filmed by not Vietnamese, yes, filmed by Vietnamese people. 
Oh, wow, brilliant. His film, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's actually shot in in Hanoi. And so oh. it's it's a bit like the, reminds me of like seeing the, um, you know, the British, when the British did the Blitz and all that. And yeah. it's, anyway, I'll tell you all about it when we talk about it. We'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll get to that. We will get yeah. to that. But first of all, let us kick off with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm. Sharon, would you like to take this off and tell us about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? What are we dealing with this time? Uh Timeline-wise, it's a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the, the Guardians have been in a little bit of a slump. They've had the whole thing with Thanos, where they were left a bit reeling from that. And then we met them again briefly at the Christmas special, where they were still trying to cheer up Peter by kidnapping um, Kevin Bacon, and yes. which managed to succeed. And, and they identified at that point that Peter and Mantis were actually related. They are half-brother and half-sister. Yep. And now this is and they are in a place called Nowhere, which is the head of this giant space Celestial. god thing. <laughs> a celestial. And so they actually, that is their like space station. They get their universes and end up there. And they're like using that as their, their headquarters. And we sort of meet them. Yeah, well, Peter's still in a bit of a slump. Um, and all the others are like trying to do their best to sort of keep things together without Gamora, the Gamora that they knew. And so this is sort of where they are. They're, they're not, you know, in the best of places. And then um, everything starts kicking off. Uh, there's this mad scientist who I forget his name. The High he's Evolutionary. High Evolutionary, who has been tinkering around with species and with um, life forms for these decades and he was the the evil genius behind Rocket Raccoon mm. and there's something special about Rocket and this guy decided that he wants Rocket back and he is going to do anything in his power to get Rocket back and things happen in the, the attempt to recapture Rocket he gets injured and in order to save him they have to then go into the heart of this a mad scientist's lair to see if they can find the key to saving his life. And so the film is about one, this quest to save Rocket and sort of beat the evil genius. And also we see the backstory of how Rocket became this unique and remarkable um, little chap that he is. <laughs> as always, Sharon, lovely, succinctly summarize as to what this film's all about and what this film's all about so that's it and obviously it's a marvel movie so you know they're going to get your shenanigans that go on from there but that is the through line is we've got to save rocket because if if we don't do something rocket's going to die and this is the 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 big bad is the guy who they have to, who wants rocket and they have to sort of like save rocket while at the same time stopping rocket falling into these guys hands so that was it holly what did you think of this loved it absolutely <laughs> loved it unsurprisingly uh, there there was laughter there were tears there was outright sobbing from somebody sitting next to us in the cinema proper mm. proper loud crying um yeah i thought it was i thought it was great fun um and actually quite a lot better than i expected mm -hmm. as i'd probably been i wanted to see it but i was probably a little bit more on the fence about it than i'd Expected to be because I'd had mixed views of two. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy liked, Volume I'd, Two. Yeah, yeah, I'd still liked it, but it wasn't my favourite Marvel film. Yeah. 
So yeah, I thought it was yeah, I thought it was good fun. Yeah, I think I, th I think that the Guardians is a very specific tone, even within <laughs> Marvel stuff. Guardians, I mean, the fact is that because they they've done this whole thing where every Guardians movie has started off with a song, and has started off with a whole sequence set to a song. So the first one was "Come and Get Your Love," the second one was uh, "Mr. Blue Sky," and then this one. I mean, the fact that. Because obviously after a while, Marvel can also feel a bit samey, samey, samey. We're being given the same thing over and over again. But when a film starts with a computer-generated raccoon walking around, listening to Radiohead's Creep, you know, okay, <laughs> straight away you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, now I remember why the Guardians are different. Now we're in different territory. <laughs> so by the way, but Sean, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we're talking about, the, talking about the music. What a terrific soundtrack. I mean, and even yeah. when they played Flaming Lips, you know, do you realize that? And it was like, I thought, Oh my God! You know, um, it's James, terrific. James Gunn, James Gunn does James Gunn yeah. does good, very good soundtracks. Every each one of his films is notable for the soundtrack. Yeah, it was interesting to see that he, he actually got fired, didn't he? And then no one said they won't make it unless he unless uh, yeah. Gunn Gunn did it, and they weren't going to do the film. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That that is actually what happened. That's what happened. So there was a problem with James Gunn where they found some old tweets that he wrote, and so some people kicked off about it, and then James Gunn got fired. But there was an opera, and he got rehired to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. But it is the final thing that he's going to be doing for Marvel because he's now going to be the head of DC and everything that they're doing over at DC. Can you guys still hear me? Oh. <laughs> we've got the flash coming out soon yes 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 we've got the flash the flash looks interesting hmm does look interesting all right okay so so anyway um i'm not sure how much of that you guys got because i think my connection was going down a bit again mm. i can only apologize um but um so so yeah so sean what else did you think of Guardians of the galaxy volume 3 okay yeah i mean well, I saw this twice, so that must speak very highly of it. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I agree with Holly. I got, I mean, I'm not. It's funny lately. I mean, I've never really been emotional in films, but lately, I don't know why. I've had, a, I've had, a, 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 I don't know what it is. Where I've got Chrome. It was a Whitney film, and um, <laughs> oh yes, I, I was that. friends with somebody. And you know, no, when they're singing, the national anthem brought tears to my eyes. And in this, I, I actually had, I actually welled up a couple of times. And having seen it twice, when I watched it the second time, I'm really pleased I did because I saw a lot of like little bits of extra stuff that I probably probably missed before. So yeah, no, terrific movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I thought the actual the actual um, CGI, because I'm assuming those animals were CGI, was, yes. was good, really. Speaking. I was impressed. Pardon? Statistically speaking, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, well, um, it's, it's also the fact that Disney have also committed to not having live actions in the live animals in their films anymore. Because, yeah. they, because they think it's cruel to have animals on set and make them go through all that stuff. So every time you see a film that is involved with Disney and you see an animal in it, the animal is not actually there. The animal is a CG creation. I believe that American Humane Society was still involved, though, because we have a, a weird hobby of looking at the end of the film to see if they've been involved. <laughs> yeah. I cannot explain I think, I think I think the only one I think was probably not CGI was Cosmo the Space Dog. 
Cosmo the yeah. Space Dog, I think, I think was probably yeah. I like I dog. liked Cosmo as well. I thought yeah, I, I, I really like Cosmo. What a great character. And yeah, I quite like some of the Reavers as well. I like I like some of the Reavers. Well, yeah, I, I think I think because that's the thing. Oh, I oh, because for me, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy it seems to exist in its own little world yes. where it is not as linked to a lot of the other Marvel stuff as some other things might be. So, for instance, we saw um, Ant Man and the Wasp. Which I actually quite, I, I really quite like Ant-Man and the Wasp. But it did have that whole thing where you could feel that it was trying to set things up that are going to come in the future. And this film was notable because it felt very much like they weren't trying to set anything up whatsoever. No, I, I was just about to say that. It, looked, it was yeah. like almost closure, wasn't it? It was most yeah, like, okay, it was, it was like this is, this is about the Guardians. We don't care about anything else. I mean, there are a couple of quibbles that I have because I always thought it was weird that I'm like, why is Gamora still around? It doesn't make any sense that Gamora is still around, and they even mention that in the film. They it's like they know it, and I think it's a I, I think it's a it's it's a it's an effect of how big Marvel has become, and then you have all these different filmmakers, and they want to tell this story, and so they go and they say we want to do Endgame, and this is what's going to happen in Endgame, and James Gunn is like I don't like that. I want to do the Marvels, and I still have I still have stuff I want to do with that character, so he brings that character back in, and they find some way to make it work, and uh. So, uh, so I, and, but the thing is, James Gunn has always come from a point of view of he just loves these characters and he loves the interplay between these characters. And I think he's got it so finely balanced that the characters, it's like a workplace because there's a lot of times when Guardians, Guardians feels like a workplace sitcom because mm. <laughs> it's like you have all these characters that just sort of balance and they bounce off each other and everything like that. And you're like, yeah, that's what they would do. That is what Drax would do. That's what Nebula would do. I was going to say, I really, I really warmed to Drax in this one. I've always thought he was sort of a, you know, yeah. I mean, he's there, but he was never in this one. He was quite prominent in in, in a lot of ways, really, which I quite yeah. like. Yeah, I think they did a good job of making sure that they all kind of had something to do. I mean, I think Groot, Groot was his usual lovable self, but even he, I, I felt like it was upped a little bit. Obviously, this mm. is this is mainly Rocket's story. Even though Rocket's Alfred, I thought Adam Warlock, and I think the people who they add, so Will Poulter as Adam <laughs> Warlock, it was hilarious. <laughs> he was hilarious. <laughs> Where he was like, oh, I'm not sure I like the way that made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is that like a wombat thing he had? I can't quite work out what his little thing was. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, wombat thing. <laughs> it, it's a new thing. They've brought out some new thing. But, but, but I have to think, but one of the things that James Gunn seems to be quite skilled with is making you care about CGI characters. Like, mm. I, remember in the, I remember in the first, in the first Guardians movie, there's a bit with Groot that probably had most people crying, where, like, some of the last words Groot says in the film. And yeah, you're, you're kind of thinking, oh, my God, Groot said a rocket. And then when you think about it, you're thinking, hang on a second. That's a tree and a raccoon that are not actually there, but he's made an emotional connection enough. And with this, there's a whole bit, like in Rocket's backstory, I thought Rocket's backstory was actually really affecting. Yes. It, was, it was so affecting. Yeah. And, and I was just kind of like, dang, he's doing it again. He's making you care. And you, you can see how much he cares for these characters. And so he, and he translates that to you. Although, one thing I have to say, though, what did I have to say? Just bef before we move on, or before I let so someone else finish, wrap us up, before we move on, I was watching this, and I was thinking that this, the Guardians, 
as a franchise, as a mini franchise between the MCU, has a lot of similarities with a franchise that Sean you hate. <laughs> which, uh, Fast and Furious are we talking? No. Yes, yes, yeah. we're talking that because you have this whole, you have this misfit yeah, group of family. people. Everything is about family. You have this, they have this um um theme of bad guys becoming good guys, which happens throughout Guardians. If you think about it, in almost every Guardians movie, there's a bad guy who ends up becoming a good guy. <laughs> and and I was like, hang on, this is like a better made Fast and Furious movie, which weirdly enough, think- seen, seen as the Fast and the Furious is supposed to be set in a, in our world. Guardians of the Galaxy seems to have more of a regard for physics than Guardians of the <laughs> Fast and Furious does. I, I, for me, I mean, the difference being is that I think, I mean, that's, it's just me thinks this, and people say, no, it's not. But I think Fast and Furious tries to think of it as being serious, whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is in a total different universe with loads of stuff that we don't really know what's going on. And 100%. I shan't even bother going to see that Fast X or whatever it's called. Sean, I've got, to, I've got to be honest with you. I've seen the trailers for Fast X, and this is the first Fast movie that I'm thinking, I don't think I can be bothered <laughs> recently. Oh, because, 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 oh, no, because Fast, Fast and Furious 9 was a pile, a stinking pile of, I've got a child here, so yeah. fill in the blank. It was a stinking <laughs> pile. It was so, it was an insult to every intelligent ever but anyway um well but back to guidance of the galaxy volume three yeah. um yeah. so i think we all we all really liked it how many stars would we give this for me for me yeah i um yeah it's close to a five it's close to a five for me i really it had the whole i mean to watch it twice being a long movie and both times it didn't seem like being a long movie mm-hmm. i think it's the best marvel have done for a long 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 time because they were sort of i think lately they've been not on their game quite so much but i think this was a lovely a lovely finish to it lovely to wrap it all up and it was carefully thought about it like your like your observation where all the characters had stuff to do and all that and yeah i enjoyed it so i am actually going to give this one a five i'm going to give this Ooh, one a, five. a five for goddess of the galaxy from yeah. from sure me, me. Mm. yeah big one sharon i'm going to go with a four I, I really enjoyed it. I like the characters you say, you identify, you really feel for the characters. Um, even some of the secondary ones, you're just like, zoom, zoom. Yeah, so I I think, yeah, I, I really liked it, but yeah, for me, it's a four. Okay, um, Holly. Done five. Ooh, five. So, uh, and I will, uh, I would agree with Sharon and I would give it a four. I'll I'll give it a four because uh, I thought it was fun, but there and there there are some things about it like there are there there's there's big world planet changing consequences in certain bits of this film that are brushed under the carpet and never spoken of again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I mean I can see that, but I mean for for the enjoyment factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To watch it twice for the enjoyment factor that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I can, I can totally, I can totally understand that. I can totally understand that. Um, and okay, no, that's that's a whole other topic. I was going to okay. talk about, I was going to talk about the online trolls and what they did, what what they did with Ant Man compared to what they did with this film. But um, have they been horrible then again? They, I mean, not that I, I don't really pay much to publicity, but has it had like lots of trolls slagging it off and stuff? Not this one, no. But they no, did with no, Ant Man before they'd even seen it. They did, 
and mm-hmm. I don't think Ant Man deserved that. I actually really, really enjoyed Ant Man. Yeah, in I, some, I that. In, in some ways, in some ways, and I know Sean, you do not agree. You will not agree with me on this. And I don't think many people. In some ways, I pref- I preferred Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania to this, and I, I thought I thought it flowed better. But do, do you think Toes? And I, I mean, I don't mean it in our way, but do you think do you think you might have been quite distracted with with taking Kemi? I mean, would could that have? Uh, no. I mean, I know, I know you wouldn't, because you'll be that. But there is a chance, I think, sometimes. There, 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 there might, there might be a chance. There might be a chance. But she was actually pretty good. She was actually quite engaged in the film. <laughs> she was actually engaged in the film. So it was only oh, she, she only has to use the toilet once before the yeah. end credits. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's there. Uh, I, but they, there was this whole thing where they seem to have decided. They've decided that. We're gonna like this before it even comes out. We're gonna hate this before it even comes out. And I think because of James Gunn, oh no, everyone is frozen again on my screen. Yeah, because of James Gunn, I think that I think because he's going over to DC as well. I think a lot of the DC fans are kind of like, yeah, we're gonna like this as James Gunn, and they yeah. decided they decided they were gonna hate Ant Man. But anyway, never mind. We move over to Disney Plus, and we're gonna talk about Star Wars Visions. This is another part of Star Wars's ever expanding group of films and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. But although Sean, I'm gonna give you the headline for this. The headline what? for this that I, that I think you will like is this seems like. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. This seems to be like the perfect marriage between Star Wars and Love, Death and Robots. Ooh, so ready. Oh yeah, my goodness. So, so this is this is like Star Wars given the Love, Death and Robots treatment. So wow. what they did. So what they did is that um, Lucasfilm, they for there's two seasons of this so far. They went around the world. The first one, they went to Japan and they went to a whole bunch of Japanese animation houses and they just sort of said, we're, we're commissioning you to do a 15-minute short, do whatever you want about Star Wars. You can use whatever characters, you can do it. And so you have these nine stories, but all done in an anime style of, imagine Star Wars, there's even bits where it's like they've, they've merged Star Wars with feudal Japan, and then you have like, you know, the Jedi, the Jedi almost like Ronin, and like the Sith coming in and everything. And they have all these stories that sort of follow the different things, and you have these massive light, lightsaber duels and all. And that's cool, and it's really good. So, but everything in the first one was anime; it was all Japanese animation houses. The second season, they've gone worldwide, and there is a there is a there is now a Star Wars animated short done by Ardman, the guys who did Wallace and Gromit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and to give you to give you an idea of what this kind of thing is about, Star the the, the title of the Ardman episode is "I Am Your Mother." <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it is that part, is that one of the episodes is that's that... one of the episodes that's one of the episodes i've seen all of them i've seen all 18 episodes of star wars vision so far and i think one of the things that comes across is that you can really see that they have just put hands off they said do what you want because people are coming up with all these crazy things crazy images and everything there's stories from chile there's one from south africa there's one from ireland cartoon saloon and they are these perfectly formed 15-minute stories that don't need to link to anything else. You don't need to mention Darth Vader. You don't need to come up with any anybody called Skywalker or anything like that. They're just this perfect... Some of them are comedic. The Artman one is obviously comedic. Some of them are really serious. Some of them are quite dark. And I just think that it's it's a perfectly formed... Thing. It's, it's a bit... Essentially, Sean, the only thing I can say, it's like Love, Death, and Robots. I was watching this and I was thinking... This is like that's going to be a watcher then for me. I think. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I'll, 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 with Dan. Yeah, I, I was watching. 
Yeah, I was watching it. I was watching it, and I was just sort of thinking, this is like someone has seen what Love, Death, and Robots and said, we can do this in the Star Wars universe. And so they just have this, they have all these stories set in. There's one about a person who makes lightsabers. There's stories about people who actually mine the Kyber crystals for, and and one of the funny things you can see is that you can see how the cultural thing of whatever country the animation house is in has informed the story that they've told. So the South African one, the South African one has a lot to do with mining. It has a lot to do with mining of the crystals. And you can see that there's three of them where it's all about somebody trying to escape where they are with this oppressive force of the empire above them. But they're trying to escape where they are to go have a better life. And it's funny that those, the three of them that have those, that have that, that theme, were all places that were colonized by the British. So, so there's one from South Africa. It was, it was South Africa, it's Ireland, and oh, what was the other one? Ugh, I can't remember now. But it was, it's, it's just, I just remember, the, I just remember going, oh, hang on a second. There's, there's a theme developing here. There's an oppressive form that's in, in our land trying to make us live in a certain way, and we're trying to escape. We're trying to escape to a better land. So I, I, so the I, empire is the British Empire, is it? So what? The, the Empire is the British Empire. The, the Empire British. is 100% the British Empire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire is 100% the British yeah, Empire. It sounds intriguing. I shall definitely make a point of that one. Yeah, yeah I think I think that it, it goes up and down. So I think some you would like more than you would like others. Ooh, there is there is one that is done by a French... Um, it's done by a French animation house called The Spy Dancer. And that is beautifully animated, as you would expect. But... The, the whole thing, it's kind of like the, the Empire are like an occupying force and are pretty much the Nazis. The Empire wow. pretty, and, and, this, and then the main character in this is pretty much a member of the Resistance. So it's kind of like, you know, a French Resistance thing, but within the Star Wars universe. So it's, wow. uh, so it's actually funny seeing the way that the different, as I said, the different countries, their cultural history feeds into the way they see Star Wars. And I just, I just thought it was, I think it's a great thing. It's one of the best things I've seen of Star Wars. I mean, we spoke about the Mandalorian a while back. I really like this. I really, I really like Star Wars Visions. I, I like the fact that they give it out to a whole bunch of other people. I hope it continues, and I'll give it a four out of five. And Brilliant. I would recommend Sean go see it and go see I'll it go and let me know. That. That's, that's on my, that'd be on my list. Yeah, go see it and let me know if my if my assessment of it being Love, Death, and Robots in the Star Wars universe actually holds up. Um, Right, and now we go back to cinema, and this is Air, the story of how or how Jordan got his shoes. <laughs> how Jordan got his shoes back. Um, so, um, Holly, you've seen this. Tell us about Air. So, the, as you said, it is the, the making of Michael Jordan, arguably, but also the making of Nike. So the, the fundamental principles of it are shoe companies are constantly looking for uh, players to sponsor who will wear their their shoes their brands be it nike reebok whatever and they are there for you know constantly on a quest to find the right players that they want to align with and traditionally this is a number of different of different players um nike's in a slump and um, say this is a real story so nike was in a slump they weren't doing well their sales weren't great they were losing out significantly to the competition and one of their lead well their lead recruiter uh played by matt damon um looks at everybody considers everything and decides that this is the time for them to not go for a, a pool but to throw everything at a single player 
and create for the first time a shoe around the player rather than linking the player to the shoe. Um, as people are aware, this ultimately worked out. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's any secret to that. Um, so you've got yeah, Matt Damon being being good uh you'd got uh, ben affleck playing the the president of the company and phil he, knight thank you and he had matt damon's character which my name i can never remember because i'm thoroughly disinterested in names um <laughs> go back a long long way um and a good proportion of it is the interactions with um viola davis who plays um uh, plays mum yeah Michael and, mom, yeah and it's a yeah, very, very enjoyable film I found interesting. Um, I particularly liked a feature that you never saw Michael Jordan's face mm. at any point in the film. He was there, but he wasn't speaking, and you just saw the back of him. Mm. So there was no attempt to try to replicate who <laughs> he is. And, until you know as is obligatory in in credits you saw actual him yeah um, which i thought was a really effective technique in that you you weren't be expected to try to shape your expectations or your or going that's not the way he speaks that's not the way he walks yeah, i saw him exactly. in game seven in utah and that's not the way he moved mm. <laughs> so the only points where you see him are when you see other than as a you know back of a figure is when you see him oh yeah like like uh, archive footage of him playing yeah, playing basketball exactly. or something. yeah um where you actually you get the feel for what's going on and it really does it was I'm, I'm not a basketball fan but i found it really impressive and really interesting because it's not something i know anything about so i don't know if that make, would make it more or less appealing to somebody who is a massive basketball fan um in terms of sort of learning but yeah i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and yeah left with a left with a smile that's good there's one thing actually when was when was what what sort of era was michael jordan prolific was it like late 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 80s early 90s was that when i mean the thing is the only reason i'm saying is that i remember because I, I was in america and i remember they used to have this advert on and it, it was about michael air jordan and it was like the advert was Man, he like hangs there for a week. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, and as it, as he's putting one on the basket, he's going, man, he like hangs there for a week. And they had a really big shot up of the of the Nike whatever numbers they're called. I just I just always remember that advert. I don't know why. I think um, I think this film is set in the late eighties because late 80s. I was going to say because, it, yeah it yeah would because make I think nine time. Yeah, because they 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 actually sold this shoe and they got Michael Jordan on board before people really knew who michael jordan was yeah. they, they got it when he was well while he was still a rookie while he was still a rookie coming yeah. out of university going into the going into the nba so uh, but then this continued with him throughout his career and that's why the the air jordan i think that's why the film's called air the yeah. air jordan became a thing and I, it's, it's funny that i remember that advert now and it's funny how that sticks in my mind yeah man but, he like hangs there for a week i always remember that <laughs> There, there were there were a lot there. I mean, Nike had a lot of iconic adverts with Michael Jordan, like directed by mm. Spike Lee and stuff like that, and all that. So it was uh, all that. So, so with this, with so with this, with Air, 
it's it's kind of like because this is a weird thing. It's 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 a biopic, but it's not it's not about it's not a biopic of a person. It's kind of the biopic of a shoe or the biopic of a company, so to say. What 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 did you think? How did it work? I really enjoyed it. I thought it. I thought that's exactly it. It is the biopic of a of a shoe ultimately yeah. with the the company as the supporting character to the shoe. Um, really enjoyed it. Well, absolutely as as is traditional. I will watch it again because as you know, there's <laughs> nothing I won't again. Um, but I will really enjoy. I'm, I'm really looking forward already to watching it again. That will be as soon as I, it's up on on. I think. I was just going to say, I think it's popping up on either Amazon Prime or Disney Plus this weekend. Oh, be long. Okay, we know what I'm doing when I get back from my friend's wedding on Saturday. <laughs> Would you say it was accessible? Because someone like me, I mean, I've heard of Michael Jordan, but I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. No, nor could and, I. And I wouldn't be able to identify an Air Nike trainer if you do one that means quite No, 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 no. Sharon, 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 they make it very easy for you. It's emblazoned all over the shoe. I recognize him. Even though it's completely outside of anything I would recognize. Would you still say it's accessible for the completely non-initiated in the world of basketball and trainers? Yes, because that is also me. So <laughs> I could not, I would not be able to pick him out in a lineup. I know what Nike's logo is, but don't ask me to identify any of their shoes. I mean, I know they're trainers, but don't ask me more than that. They're definitely accessible. Oh, good. That's encouraging. Because I see these films and I think, I don't know. So I tend to. <laughs> 80 for Brady. Exactly. I'm like, huh? So yeah, I, I think you'd enjoy it. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's it's a film that seems to be a lot of a lot of people talking a lot of people talking in rooms or on the phone, and um and it it's funny because you know you're talking about Matt my, my, my Damon's character, and I keep thinking his name is Shelby because that was the name of his character in um Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. And I in my head this is a very similar character. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but I know I know the name of the Nike guy was not Shelby, but I just keep thinking Shelby. All right, so how many stars would we give Air? Four. Four. Oh, good lord! This is a good week. It's a good week. So four stars for Air. Four stars for Air. And now we go over to the final film that we're going to talk about this week. And as you might hear, there's somebody asking for water, so I'm going to go away. Well, Sean, tell us about your YouTube rabbit hole and watching the girl from Hanoi. Okay, so I, I will go away and I will be back. <laughs> okay, okay. So, the, being, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really interested in like the Vietnam War movies. I mean, I've, I've always, I've always been interested in, in, in Vietnam. Probably because I was an age when it was on TV and it really sticks in my mind. It used to be on the news. Um, now, this film, which I found, is a is a North Vietnamese film, and it was filmed in 1974 just at the peak of Nixon's bombing, around about 72. Remind us, Tony, are the North Vietnamese, are they the good guys or the bad guys in this? They're the good guys, it's a North Vietnamese film. So it is, it's um, it's actually North Vietnamese, you know, it's not, it's, this is like, I've never seen a North Vietnamese film before in my life. This is the first one I've seen. Um, and it, I mean, it's a black and white one, and obviously there's not a lot of money. Um, so basically the story is, it's this, this, this little, this busload of, of school students come up and this little girl's looking for her dad in this bombed out bombed out um 
city of Hanoi, which was actually shot in the city that had just been bombed by the Americans. So, you know, you've got all this rubble and you've got all this thing. And she meets this uh, soldier who's part of the missile group. And um, basically that's how she tells her story. So she tells, so she sat in this truck and they're, they're trying to have, find her dad. And um, it, the sort of story, and it flashes back to like when they were just, just like at school. So there was at the school, the school teachers and they're learning, and, you know, and so you get all these little flashbacks as well where she's looking and all the while this, all this, you see all the, the it's a bit like the blitz in, do you, you know what I mean? And so it was actually shot. That's, that's what I find fascinating. It was actually shot while the peace talks were still, still in, um, in, you know, in, in motion sort of thing. And yeah, it's just so left field. It's so, it's sort of come out of nowhere. It was, um, You've got so you've even got some captured like like American prisoners in it because she actually goes to her home and the streets all bombed out and that and she's walking around and and you get flashbacks of, of what life was like before the war and they're just like normal normal people and it's not really the thing is I thought this was going to be a real super propaganda movie but it's not really it's not really you know I was expecting I was expecting it to be you know like with the, with the Chinese movies and stuff it's all like like um you know really really political and, and all that and this wasn't that way. yeah this wasn't that way i mean a little bit there was a little bit of propaganda um maybe with like when the, the bombers were coming over but it shows that the north we always think of the north vietnamese as um always from all the movies you know of like in the pith helmets and not having a life if do you know what i mean it's almost like with a lot of conflicts it's not, do you know what I mean? You never think that there's other people, they have a life, they're children, they go to school, they've got families, they've got, and as I say, it was, it was terrifically well done. So, so, you know, the whole story, and I really love the idea of her telling the story to the soldier. So you could go actually go back and do the flashbacks and, you know, see the schools and the homes and what they did. And, and they're just like us, you know what I mean? There's like, you've got your dad and your mom and your sisters and all that, and you play the music. And there's a really poignant scene where there's she's sort of playing a violin where the bombing's going on. I think they keep having these, they keep showing these missiles on, on trucks, big missiles on trucks. Well, you don't think they had that. I'm pretty sure they were the same ones that they just showed at different times <laughs> throughout the movies. But you see these like missiles driving by on trucks, pretty, probably the same ones yeah. uh, at different parts in the movies. But yeah, totally, totally different, totally, totally brilliant to see it from a, a, a North Vietnamese perspective and not really gung-ho propaganda. It's just the story of this this girl trying to find her dad and what life was like in the war. And yeah, and she was brilliant. The the, the actress, little actress, um, was absolutely phenomenal. So yeah. I, 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 really, know, I know I probably misses, but how old is she? I would say she's round about sort of maybe 10, 12, something like that. Oh, wow. Perhaps a bit younger. So oh, wow. she, She's, 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 yeah, I would say around about 10-ish, maybe 10, 10, 11, something like that. But it's just, I thought it was so well done how she's telling the soldier the story of, do you know what I mean? It was a way to, to, to go back and Yeah, and like see a, a good, a good framework. Yeah, yeah, a good, really good framework. Yeah, so, I mean, probably not every cup, body's cup of tea, so, uh, um, being black and white. And, um, yeah, and I mean. And I guess sub subtitled. Subtitles, yeah, subtitles. But for me, I mean, it's something that I like these these type of films, you know. And it was it was totally totally different. And to be filmed while the war was going on, while the bombing yeah. was going on, it's something, you know. That's that's some accomplishment, really. And I think 
I mean, I haven't done lots of research in it, but I think it's 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 pretty like film circles is because you haven't got you haven't quite got that, um, that propaganda. Do you know what I mean? It is there a little bit, but it's not like in your face. And I thought that was really, really well done. Because normally when you see films like this, I was expecting to be totally anti-American. And I guess there is one bit where they've got some American prisoners and they sort of, she stares at them a bit angrily, but it wasn't really much different from that. And it just makes you realize that how futile wars are and how it doesn't matter what country you're on, how, how you know, how people were vilified, you know, yeah. like, oh, Vietnamese and all that. And yet they were just people like us. People like us with families and kids and friends and yeah, yeah, this yeah. One. yeah. It reminds me of um, you well, when you're talking about that. As if it being made during the war, as things were like we'll find out. There's a film yeah. called Rome Open City, which you probably know, Sean. I know, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it sounds like that whole thing of like essentially being filmed amongst the rubble of what what, yeah. what war had just done. Yeah, so is, that's is it, it, really. Yeah. Like, and yeah, 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 no, that's, that's right. Yeah. And you think just how futile and how stupid, how absolutely stupid, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like this is going to be the kind of film that's going to send us into like, you know, a, a philosophical, a philosophical thing about the power of cinema or what can be done and how yeah. it can like transport you and all that. So yeah, but really uh, just imagine though, just imagine guys, if the whole world could just be work together instead of being this way, you know? Which has been going for centuries, isn't it? Anyway, enough, enough. Yeah, so this is five star. This is five star total. Total Ooh. five star. Oh, five star. For me, five for me star. yeah, five star. <laughs> uh, five star for Girl from Hanoi. Five star for Girl from Hanoi. All right, cool. So, um, oh, and uh, thank you very much, Holly. Holly's just sent me a message saying that she loves hearing the little voice in the background occasionally. Mm -hmm. That is our guest star on the podcast who shows up every now and then. Sometimes she takes over the entire podcast. She's been she's been quite considerate today. I'll say quite considerate today. That is that is my daughter, and um, so all that's left to say is who do you think has won this week between cinema and Netflix and friends? Well, I think we've got pretty good. So we've got to me. I, I think I mean we've got average up the four because we all saw Guardians. I quite like it. If we could do that again when we've all seen something, I quite like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Um. I don't know. I'm tempted to say it's a tie, but I'm probably wrong. Cinema might have just edged it, but it's very close. I think. Yeah, I think cinema's edged it. Well, I I am going to call this a moral tie. I'm going to I'm going to call this a moral tie because the only reason, the only reason that cinema is behind this week. Oh. <laughs> Yes, the only reason cinema is behind this week is because Sharon and I were stingy with our stars yeah. when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> 3. And we did an average. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 had a 4.5, which meant that I ended up with a 0.5 behind Netflix and Friends because we had Star Wars Visions with 4, Girl from Hanoi with 5, and we had Air with 4, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with 4.5. So wow. I'm going to say it is pretty much a tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tie. It's a tie. Let's call it a tie. Yeah. It's pretty much a tie because if any more of us had seen Girl from Girl from Hanoi, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it wouldn't be. I'm sure it wouldn't be. Everybody wouldn't be. But me, yeah. I, 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 I actually watched it. No, no, no. I think I think it's 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 right up your alley. It's right up your alley, and that's I actually quite like it when we come with all these different things. So Girl from Hanoi on on YouTube, 
go find There's it. There's also another one I watched, which I might review another time, called the uh, the Sacrifice, which is quite good as well. But anyway, we'll, we'll think about that later. You, YouTube could be my new go-to streaming platform. Who knows? <laughs> I think you've been dabbling with YouTube for quite a while, Sean. You, yeah. you see, you seem to discover YouTube during the pandemic. And you're like, oh my God, there's all this stuff on here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that is it uh, until next week when I have no clue what we will be seeing. I have no clue what's coming out of the cinemas. Um, yeah, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye for me. Goodbye for me. Yes, if you would like to get involved, if you would like to have a fight with us, if you would like to have a conversation with us, find us on YouTube, Netflix versus Cinema, Twitter, Netflix versus Cinema, and I, oh, yeah, and we're still on Facebook if anybody ever looks like that. Netflix versus Cinema. Thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. See you later.